Uh, welcome to From the Rookery End. My name's John. With me uh, this afternoon is Michael. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not, I'm not talking until right at the very end. That's when, that's when I start doing my good work, right at the end of the podcast, just like Watford. <laughs> so, uh, with Kieran. Hello, Kieran. I guess I'll have to fill in at the start. Hello. Yeah, we're going to have to do uh, a good chunk of the podcast, and Mike will come in. Uh, it's, it's Sunday. It's the day after Watford uh, drew 2-2 away at West Brom. Uh, I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but at the moment, uh, we are at Kings Langley Football Club uh, for Watford against uh, Oxford United, uh, and it's the uh, Women's Super League Two, uh, Watford currently one nil down. Twenty minutes in, Mike. Not not a lot to really really say. Well, no, Watford a uh, bit of a, a difficult start. A bit of a defensive mix-up led to the uh, the visitors going ahead, but they've come into it quite nicely. They're pinging the ball around, and uh, for me, it's only a matter of time before they um, equalise. And uh, yeah, pretty positive, I think. Uh, but Kieran, uh, you've been on the podcast last uh, couple of uh, well, last couple of months. You've been on a fair few times. Uh, you know a lot about uh, women's football. Uh, formerly involved uh, quite heavily with Wat- Watford ladies team. We talked about uh, how things are going with Watford, as well as speaking to Helen Ward, uh, one of the recent re-signings uh, here at Watford, uh, as well as the uh, manager Keith Bonus after the game. Uh, but let's start by uh, by looking at yesterday's game. Watford 2, West Bromwich Albion 2. I would have taken a draw at the beginning of the game, Mike, but I think actually that was a got more out of it than just, just the one point. It's always going to be, I think we said previously, it's always going to be an incredibly difficult game. West Brom know what buttons to press when it comes to uh, ramping it up psychologically and obviously it's a bit of a cliche to say they're physical, but James McLean, for example, came on later, gave away a foul. So they are physical. Uh, we knew it was going to be tough. So like you say, taking a draw would have been, um, I think most people would have bitten bit your hand off for, for a draw. But yeah, as it turns out, we're going into the international break um, with a sort of added spring in our step. I think we could have won the game. We didn't, but it doesn't mean, um, yeah, but I think we're going into the international break feeling really, really good about ourselves. Uh, Kieran, the, 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 let's say, the, I don't want to start. Start at the beginning or the end? Let's start at the beginning. The first 15 minutes, Watford were dominant, high possession of the game, uh, but nothing sort of came from it. We didn't have any sort of a, a clear chances on the, on, on the goal. But West Brom come along and, and scored two goals. Uh, one of them was the classic West Brom uh, from a set-piece corner, but the, the first one did sort of feel a little bit Watford's uh, own making. Yeah, and that one was a very West Brom goal as well, wasn't it? Very direct ball over the top for Salomon Rondon. He hadn't scored in, in quite a while and quite often the case is you find you come up against strikers like that and uh, they're in need of a goal. They come up against us and they seem to be able to get one. But it's just unfortunate, wasn't it? Rondon found himself one-on-one with, with Christian Cabaselli. He's a big boy, Salomon Rondon, and, and Cabaselli was unfortunately uh, the weaker of the two. He's well, I won't say weaker. I, for me, it looked like he tried to sort of you know, give him a shove and to put him off a little bit, but that that was why he then he, he couldn't he couldn't do it. He was about, you know he didn't try and battle him for it. It was he tried to, to sort of unsettle him and it didn't work. Yeah, that's probably a fair assessment. I think they've they've come shoulder to shoulder and Rondon's probably got the run on him a little bit and it, momentum has has allowed him to keep his feet and you have to say a good finish from the angle as well. I think Cabaselli actually hasn't done a bad job. He's forced him quite wide, but he's actually managed to to squeeze a shot in and get it under Gomez. I think Herelio will be disappointed. I think he might have been able to do a little bit better, but yeah, look, I think you know we've seen Christian Cabaselli really come into his own this season. It was unfortunate, but yeah, very West Brom goal, ball over the top, and, and Rondon gave them the lead. Uh, it's been the most disappointing in that goal. Uh, probably uh, Mr. Harry uh, Gomez, Mike, sort of shouldn't allow that sort of goal to go in a goalkeeper. Well, it's the classic. It's a bit of a cliche. You never want to get done at your near post, and there's not really any excuse for it. As Kieran mentioned there, it was it was a tight angle, and it was a good finish. You've got to give him 
give him credit. He, he, he put some proper hurt on it, and it and it fizzed into the back of the net. But yeah, Gomez will have been will have been disappointed to see that flash in. I think. Yeah, other than that, I think you're right. I think it was a decent tussle between a, a strong centre back and a strong striker with a bit of momentum. Um, he managed to just get the upper hand, and yeah, it was it, a, a disappointing one to concede. Gomez will will not be looking forward to watching that on, on Monday morning with the rest of the guys. And then, of course, what happened a couple of minutes later, we thought it was game over when uh, we let in what... And this really was a soft one, I thought, the second one. Um, I thought we looked at sixes and sevens in the in the middle of the in, in the box. No one really got a decent challenge in or looked at like they were set or in the right shape to to make the appropriate challenge when that when that ball came in. And they'll be disappointed with that. You know, we've, I've just said there, we kind of knew what you're going to get from West Brom and it's easy to say that and I don't want it just to say oh you need to set up to be ready for a tough battle with West Brom because that's ridiculous but you do know that similar to Swansea last week they're going to be reliant on, on set pieces and they're going to be working very very hard to make those count so having just conceded to, 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 to concede a free kick and then to let one in what two three minutes later it felt like it was going to be a very very long afternoon very very quickly and uh, that was that was disappointing a, a disappointing start after a after a, a, a good sort of first 10-15 minutes. The, uh, the, the sort of several people on Twitter and, and several people in our uh, WhatsApp group did, uh, did use the phrase uh, game over at that point, but the game did not end at that point. In fact, it didn't end for another, well, 95 minutes in total. Uh, when Watford did get that equaliser, which we're all more than aware of. But again, it, it's a lovely thing here about how this team, the team spirit sort of shined through. Yeah, and I, that was something that was, was kind of commented on in the post-match, wasn't it, by Troy Deeney, was spirit. And I think I saw... Abdullah Decore on Twitter say, you know, we never give up. And I saw quotes from Tom Cleverley saying, we never give up and the team spirit in this squad. And what I liked, I actually had to listen to the game yesterday. I couldn't actually make it. And obviously it was John Marks and Derek Payne on commentary. And one thing that Derek Payne kept on saying about um, Abdullah Decore was he was the one that was driving from midfield. It was one of those where sometimes you need a player to step up. Sometimes you need a player to grab a game by the scruff of the neck, especially when you're behind. And Abdullah Decore with Nathaniel Chalabar obviously injured. We've seen in previous away games where Chalabar, Decore and Cleverley have almost kind of rotated in terms of being that player to drive forward while the other two sit back. Decore was the one that really drove the team forward yesterday and that was, that was emphasised with the goal that he scored. Picking the ball up in the middle of the park, driving forward, left foot shot. Yes, it took a slight deflection, but... I think that epitomised what is what this team is about at the moment. You've got players that will put their hand up and they will take responsibility and Decore was that player yesterday and, and that's how we managed to get back into the game and the spirit is clear for everyone to see. My favourite spirit though, Michael, wasn't the fact that it kept going to the 95th minute, was actually it kicked into its second gear when we were 2-0 down. Yeah, absolutely. That was by far, that, that we've not done that, we've not had to do that in many ways, against Manchester City we should have done it but we couldn't because it's Manchester City but actually seeing a team when we were behind actually went no we're going to go we've seen, we've seen it a couple of times haven't we Where, and we've said after the game last season we would have folded like a pack of cards and that would have been 3-4-0 um, far, far too easy for the opposition and I think yeah we talk about spirit we talk about going right through to the end and that's right but what we did do really well was was kept our heads when we were 2-0 down we didn't panic um we, as as Kieran said, Decore hugely important. I don't think we we miss Chalibur. We obviously will miss Chalibur, yeah, yeah, yeah. but but in terms of switching things around and finding a replacement for keeping that forward momentum, which he's been been so important and pivotal to to providing, Decore sort of picked up the up the reins in in that respect. And what I liked is yes, we kept going, but we made sure that we were in the game, even though we're two 0 down in Premier League away from home. That's always difficult. But there wasn't an element of panic. We had a lot of the ball. I think that that was always going to be the case. That was the way West Brom are setting up. 
Um, but we just kept going. Uh, and Decore's goal was an absolutely superb goal. It came with his, his left foot, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so shows he shows how confident he is pinging one from outside the box with his with his wrong foot. And we just kept going. We had faith in ourselves. We had confidence. No panic. Just kept going. Chip, chip, chipping away. Kept playing the football that Silva wants us to play. Forward momentum. Looking for a pass. Keep it moving. Keep going forward. Keep asking the questions under difficult circumstances uh, and ultimately in the end they, uh, they they managed to come away with a point which like I said at the top we're going away we possibly should have won perhaps you're looking at the stats and um, and what West Brom offered compared to what Watford did perhaps we we should have won the game but in the grand scheme of things looking at it and you know where we are Premier League season keeping our momentum going keeping that unbeaten away record going that is a massive massive point and it's and it's hugely impressive from that group of players you've had a, a kick to the t- kick to the knackers with with Chalava being being injured um, and that's two away games in a row that they've they've showed real guts real determination to, to grind out four points um, the fact it could have been six hey you know that's it would have been better but we, it's really really good just it and, and what I think is that this is starting to look like the side, this is starting to look like the Watford that the Pozzos and Scott Duxbury envisaged when they took over. It's full of players. I was sat there in front of um, Match of the Day last night and I said, half-jokingly, but the more I think about it, I said, we're going to sell Richarlison for 50 million quid. And we probably are. And... Also, combined with that, there was a lovely article with um, Henry, Henry Winter published an interview with Tom Cleverley. And I said to him, I think, you know, Watford, Watford can flourish by giving a home to people like, uh, giving a home to people like Tom Cleverley. And, and they're just two examples. But I think what we're doing, we're pulling together Premier League experience and the scouting network is now starting to show its, show its sort of its worth in terms of people like Richarlison coming in. Um, picking up Chalabar for a song, uh, Carrillo, you know, how many people had heard of Carrillo and Richarlison? They've been so important for us in, in the last month. Harry Redknapp hasn't. Well, and this is it, and Kieran just said there, Harry Redknapp hasn't. And that's, that is fine for us, that is perfect for, this, for Watford, because all of a sudden we've got this great team with great attacking players and supposed, supposed grade-A pundits on, on, on TV haven't heard of half the team or are suggesting that no one knows who half the team is. As far as I'm concerned, A, yes, it shows he's a, he's a complete and utter buffoon and he's ineffectively written his resignation letter as far as I'm concerned. But what it says is people aren't noticing what Watford have done. And, and, it, and, and it's too late almost. You can't recreate what, what Watford have done. They've, they've picked up these amazing players. They've got a little bit of um, a local talent in, of, of homegrown talent. And look, Lo and behold, it's all clicking into place. We're an incredibly difficult team to play against. Um, we're, well, we're down to seventh now. Um, worries us, right, after, uh, <laughs> after Arsenal, won the, Arsenal won this morning on, on Sunday. But this isn't an accident. And, and, and I love the fact, and there's another guy, there's a West Brom fan on Twitter saying, it's all Marco Silva. If we had Marco Silva, we'd be great as well because our <laughs> squad's better than Watford. And I'm sorry, mate. I don't think there's many West Brom players who would get into into Watford's no. Watford's team or squad, and this is exactly this is why it's so exciting. People underestimate people like Holobas even, who can still get forward, and you know credit to him last ditch tackle. People don't take Watford seriously. I don't no. think they think oh Richardson. I like that. I like it. It's perfect. Yeah. And I think this is starting to look like I say, like the team, like the squad, like the club. That, that, that the Pozzo family and, and Scott Duxbury had in mind when they took over. Someone who can make a dent in the Premier League, stay there, 
and, and do it with some style and potentially challenge for Europe and, and, and domestic honours. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. The man at the moment, as we Charlton, are you surprised at how quickly, Kieran, he has... He's, he's, he's got to be on the team sheet every single week now. He's so How quickly he's done it? Has that surprised you? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I spoke to a few people who follow... Brazilian football. I've got a, a mate of mine who's who covers the women's game as well, and he he follows uh, Brazil and Brazilian football very closely. and And he said to me about Richarlison. He, he pronounces it Richarlison. Apparently, that's how you say it in Brazil, Richarlison. So he told me about Richarlison um, and said, "You've got a hell of a player there, but he's very, very raw. He kind of mm, dips in yeah. and out of games. He has." all the attributes to be an incredible player and apparently you know everyone obviously talks about Gabriel Jesus who taught, who obviously went to Manchester City but then Richarlison was maybe not being spoken about as much as him but he was another one that people saw had a lot of potential and a lot to offer and I think when you've got a lad like that who is 20 years old he doesn't speak a word of English he's coming into the Premier League which is seen as the most competitive in the world you, you have no idea how these players are going to settle. There are players like Richarlison who who hit the ground running very quickly and then you have a player like, I mean, remember Alfonso Alves who came with a big price tag and went to Middlesbrough, tore the Dutch league apart and then came over and he, he did absolutely nothing for Middlesbrough. So absolutely it surprised me. I think we all expected him to offer something and offer us something that we don't have. But... I think how quickly he's settled and the impact he's had. Tom cleverly said it post-match yesterday, you know, he has, has had a huge impact. I think I saw a quote from another player. I think it was Mariapa in the week said, it's not just what he's doing on the pitch, it's actually how he's embracing life off the pitch as well. He's settled in really well. You see him on social media, loads of pictures in his Watford shirts and lots of comments about how happy he is here. I'm, I'm, I am surprised, but obviously it's a, a very pleasant surprise. What's helped, though, is that... And you're sorry to go on about this. You know what you're going to get West Brom that physical a- a- attack, and you know, and even against Manchester City, um, he this boy is not hiding, <laughs> and he's getting kicked around. He is, you know, he's a twinkle-toed young uh, Brazilian, um, and he, you know, he is not. He's getting himself stuck in into some serious <laughs> situations, and he, he, you know, he's getting his head in. You know, the, the goal obviously yesterday um, was, you know, I think it's. West Brom will, will ask themselves questions about the defending. I think it was too easy for him to head it, but he was there in the blooming thick of it. And you know he has been hunted now. He's been, and but he gets back. He tracks back, um, and yeah, I think he's just he's just been absolutely fantastic for us. It's so exciting. But compare, what I was thinking last night, sort of comparing him to to other young players who we get excited about and we see something from them, and then success. Forestieri never quite matured. It's amazing how quickly almost. He see. I've never seen a moment from him yet where he is hot-headed, or where he's not being the, the you know, a consummate professional as much yeah. as a man of his experience can be. I think that. I don't. I think that will probably come. You know, there's. You know, you, we can't. It's, it's not, nothing's plain sailing into professional football. It doesn't matter how good you are. There's always going to be incidents where you where you think, think things you could have done things better. But yeah, we've got to give him huge, huge amounts of credit. Not being able to speak the lingo and so on and so forth. But coming in, I, th- I think it says a lot about Marco Silva. I think it says a lot about what he's trying to achieve. And I think it says a lot about the team and the feeling, the emotion, the confidence running through that team that he's been able to obviously be felt, made to feel so welcome that he is able to um, to feel, you know, it feels like he's been there for ages. You mentioned the social media. Some people might think that's a, a sort of quite flippant throwaway thing. But I think it shows how, how you get it, how integrated you are. Um, but I think 
So off the pitch, I think that that's great. But I think on the pitch, it's just helped that, you know, we've mentioned Carrillo earlier. We've, we're looking to go forward, Chalabar. Just the way we play, the team, the personnel, the ethos and, and the head coach, I think is all combining to, to make it easier for, for people like Richarlison to, to come in and, and make such an immediate impact. But you have to give him a lot of credit because he's been he's just been absolutely superb. I think also that feeling of, of being wanted is is really key for a young player as well. I mean, there were stories in the week, weren't there? Richarlison, yeah. he... And Waffle Ladies just pulled one back. It's now 2-1. Yeah. Uh, we saw stories in the week, didn't we? He had pretty much agreed a deal to go and sign for Ajax. And I think Marco Silva picked up the phone and personally contacted him, I think I read somewhere, and actually said, look, I want you at Watford. I've seen you. I've seen the potential that you have. If you come and join our club, we will work with you and we will make you a better player. And and I think for a young player to hear that, and I'm sure the, the fact that Marco Silva is Portuguese and obviously speaks the language, I'm sure, was, a, was an influence as well. But we are seeing a young player here really enjoying his football. And I think that feeling of he's clearly well liked of in the dressing room the fans have taken to him very quickly for a 20 year old kid who is coming from another country and trying to settle in I think that can only help and, and be a factor as to why he's playing so well We're the Orns you're the Orns Come on you Orns uh, Mike's surname is Parkin he has a son called Arlo and this is our feature Michael Parkinson so it gives me a great pleasure to welcome once again, on location, to Michael Parkinson. Arlo, Arlo, how are you? Good. Right, so can you remember yesterday what minute it was when uh, when Watford scored? 45th. No, the 95th. Yeah, it's the 95th. It wasn't the 45th, it was a bit earlier than that. But yeah, it was in the first half. And the 95th, pretty late, right? Yeah. Now, what do you think... If Watford were going to score a goal, what is the best minute in a match to score? It's not the minute. Okay, what is it? The first second. The first second. (laughs) Get in there. Arlo, thanks very much for joining us. Bye-bye, see you later. So, Keir, we're at this uh, Watford Ladies, 2-1 currently. Let's get clear. What, what, what league? Where are we? What's the, where are Watford in the, in the women's game these days? So you said at the beginning of the podcast, this is an FAWSL 2 fixture. So this is essentially the second tier of women's football. You will see the heavyweights of women's football being Arsenal, Man City and Chelsea are in the FAWSL 1 that is made up of 10 clubs. And you have uh, FAWSL 2, which is also made up of 10 clubs. Uh, and that is a division that Watford are in at present. And there's no promotion from this league or demotion, is there, relegation? Not now there isn't. There would have been. Um, there was last season. But um, the FA announced last week that they are going to be restructuring the women's football pyramid once again. It's the second time in three years that they will be doing it. So as of 2018-2019, the FA Women's Super League 1 will be made up of up to 14 teams. All of those teams will be professional. There is a, a, a certain amount of criteria that each of the teams will have to meet to be able to apply to be in that competition. Uh, so things are going to change for women's football. We've already seen a change this season with moving from a summer league back to the traditional uh, winter league or autumn, winter, spring league like we see in the men's game. Uh, so the FA clearly undecided as to how they want the women's game to look because this is uh, yet another change that they are looking to enforce as of next year. It changes quite a lot. Am I wrong in thinking it's just 
that's what that's going to hinder the development of the sport whether it's going to hinder it, I don't know. I think what they need to do is they need to decide on something and stick to it. As I said, the the Women's Super League launched in 2011. It was just one division. They then added a second division in 2014. Um, the teams that were in Division 1 and Division 2 had to apply to be in the competition. So, for example, Manchester City women were in the second tier of women's football. They applied to be in the top division and because of the infrastructure and the finances the club has behind it, they were able to be promoted at the expense of Doncaster Rovers Bells, a big club historically, who were demoted to the second division. Now you've got a situation where, for example, there are clubs like Brighton and Hove Albion, Tottenham, who are currently in the second division, along with Watford. These teams can now apply to be in the newly extended W. Sell one from next year. They don't have to earn promotion, but if they are able to meet the criteria that is set out by the FA and the certain things in that criteria are you have to have a full-time general manager, you have to be able to offer your players a minimum of 16 hours of training per week. If these teams can offer those things and can meet the criteria, then potentially they will be in the newly extended WSL one from next year. Uh, last time we spoke here was back in April with a podcast uh, uh, 7.30 if you want to go back and listen to it we spoke to the Watford manager spoke to you about it and we were talking a lot about Watford have been through a bad patch Watford ladies have been through a bad patch they had been through a bad patch yeah the club I'm reliably informed nearly folded you know there was a real bad situation where players were essentially told that they could find other clubs there was no head coach in place uh, and it was it did it did look pretty bleak for the team um, but thankfully uh, the general manager Ed Henderson has has worked wonders um, they have a new head coach uh, in Keith Bonus who's one of the most highly respected coaches in women's football in this country it was I cannot I cannot sort of stress it enough it was a real coup for Watford to get him on board and between him and Ed and and I think Watford FC being more involved now you know Watford FC have for example we're here at Kings Langley Football Club I came here in in April May for Watford ladies last game of the recent spring series the pitch was a mess it was an absolute disgrace and Watford have invested some money into helping Kings Langley relay the pitch so the women have a decent pitch to play on. Um, Keith has been able to bring in some experienced players. I know that you're going to be speaking to Helen Ward shortly. There's um, Kylie McCarthy who's come in at centre-back, a Welsh international who's got WSL1 experience. We now have a team where we've got a nice blend of youth and experience. There's still a little way to go, um, but the club is in a much better position than it was five or six months ago. And this game's currently 2-1, uh, went 2-0 down, but the girls have battled back. Seen this before. We're going to 95th minute uh, winner, my uh, draw, I think, this one's about to happen. Um, the, uh, but, and they're very early on in this, this development with this new squad of players, yeah? Very early on, yeah. I mean, as I said, six months ago, um, a lot of these players were either not here or were told that they could find other clubs. Um, you know, when Keith came in, he had a big rebuilding job to do. It wasn't just a case of getting new players in. You know, Watford for the last couple of years had, had really struggled in WSL2 and he had to try and not just change the personnel, but he needed to try and change the mentality and the culture. You know, this team, unfortunately, was used to losing a lot of games and he's had to come in and try and change that attitude and change that culture. And, and there's still work to do. You know, Keith knows the job at hand. It's not, he can't work miracles. It's going to take time. Um, talking about the, the newly extended WSL1 next year, my belief is that Watford probably will go for a WSL1 licence but in doing that Watford FC need to get behind them you know Watford FC men's side are a Premier League team with a lot of money and I understand that 
for a for a for a Premier League club, um, the women's teams are not seen as profitable or money making. But if you look at what Manchester City women have done, they were in the second division uh, before they got into the top tier, and they have gone on to play Champions League football and have attracted some of the best players in Europe. There is absolutely no reason. I genuinely mean this. There is no reason why Watford cannot do the same. It doesn't take huge amounts of money to run a women's team. But my hope is that with the right support for Keith and the men's team or the and the Watford FC squad, uh, Watford FC board giving uh, the support that's needed, then there's no reason why Watford ladies can't continue to develop and grow. Uh, we're going to speak to Helen Ward, uh, so a, 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 Watford, a Watford fan uh, and a Watford uh, player now uh, who's currently uh, out on uh, maternity leave. Uh, and she, we'll speak to her as well as a, a manager, uh, Keith Bonas, uh, at the end of the game. So Helen, here we are. Uh, we're, we're back at what from Watford ladies play. Uh, but you're back as a as a player. Uh, when was the last time you year? How long has it been since you were last a Watford player? I think it was 2008, December 2008. I scored four goals in my last appearance though against Blackburn, and I think that that one performance won me Player of the Month for the league because I do believe it was the only game played that month in the <laughs> league. But you know, I've still got the trophy, so yeah, it was a it was a good long while ago. And you're a Watford supporter. I am, I sit in the rookery end, love it. So sticking, being a Watford supporter and putting a Watford shirt on, it's like the dream for all of us, a reality for you, what's it like? It's amazing to be fair and I had several very good years here when, when I played previously and I've always said in interviews people have often asked would you ever come back and I've always hoped to but it's never quite happened and there were various things being said about the club and I wasn't ever sure if it was going to happen but when the opportunity came up this summer I, I couldn't turn it down and, and I can't wait to get back on the pitch. So that Kieran was telling us um, a bit earlier on that things are changing not only in the, in the whole structure of the league but, but also of course here at Watford there's lot, lots of change going on so can you kind of sum up the journey that, that this team's been on in your absence and, and how you find them coming back, back to join the squad now? Yeah so when I left um, there was no Super League it was just the, the National Premier League and then the, the North and South we'd been promoted into the National Premier League and we were halfway through our second season doing, doing pretty well team kept doing well and then I think three years later, the Super League formed. Watford weren't a part of that, and they lost a few players as a result. Things happened over the next few years. The Super League 2 came about, applied for it, got in. Again, struggled a little bit, had some difficulties off the pitch. And then Keith came in earlier in the year, obviously a well-respected and, and highly thought-of coach, and, and he seems to have made a big difference in the club, not just the team on the pitch, but around the club in general. And and things that are moving forward and, and hopefully moving in the right direction along with women's football as a whole. What was it that, that sort of tempted you back? What was, or what was it had to, you had to see at a club to, for, to come and sign? Because you've gone off and you had success at lots of other clubs. What was it that finally made, yeah, I, it is, now, I, now I can go back to Watford? There's a lot of reasons. Uh, one being my personal life. I've just had my second child. So, you know, I, I couldn't really justify travelling too far as I had been recently. Um, but the biggest thing was I needed a club with ambition, um, which, you know, having heard things away from the club, it, I wasn't sure that Watford had that. But as soon as I spoke to Keith and Ed, um, the general manager, it was made clear that, that no, that the club has big ambitions and, and want to be a big force in women's football in the next few years. So that was the main thing, playing for a coach and a, and a club that, that had ambitions that matched my own. And I'm, I'll admit, I'm like a casual observer. Um, keeping out and obviously the popularity has grown and if there's a Watford team I'm always going to support it but it feels to me like the women's game hasn't just grown in popularity but it's changed the, the speed the sort of pace the power and all that sort of stuff is that correct is that a correct assumption yeah definitely I think you know 
when I started playing, it, it was a hobby. You know, you paid to play. There wasn't really any contracts going around. When I moved on and I went to Arsenal and they offered me money, I was like, hold, hold on a sec, what's, what's this about? Um, obviously, there's, there's more and more professional teams and those that aren't professional, such as ourselves at the moment, there's an expectation to, to do your own training away from the club. People, we keep ourselves a lot fitter than ever before. We have gym programs. There's, everything's changed really from a sports science point of view, and then that that translates into performances on the pitch. Players are able to to run faster and be stronger in challenges, put more pace on the ball, things like that. So it's it's made it a completely different game to watch, I think. And what about the link between between the the ladies' side and the and the, and the main club? How is, is that strengthening? Because it feels like for. A, us to progress as a as a club there needs to be that link there needs to be the support does that feel like it's there or could that be improved or how do you feel about it yeah well that was one of the things that while I was away that I think there was a bit of a distance between the two and, and Watford Ladies was almost its own club in its own right but that's completely changed now I've spoken to to guys that are you know on the board in, in the men's team and they're fully behind the women's section and, and it's much more of a one club mentality now and I think going forward with the with the new plans that the FA have it's going to be quite important for clubs to have that backing from their, their male counterparts. Some people say that it could be dangerous because you're relying on you know, others to help you sustain it financially and what have you, but I think it's a good thing and I think you know, from what I've heard and, and the people I've spoken to, Watford FC are fully behind their women's team. And just to, just to finish on you, it's all about you, we're talking to you this afternoon. Um, highlight of your career so far and also what's, what's left out there to, to achieve, what can you achieve? Um, I've got I've got a few highlights winning the FA Cup when I was at Arsenal um, scoring in the FA Cup final would have been a highlight but we ended up losing it when I played for Chelsea so that was a bit disappointing but I think the main one has to be playing for Wales making my debut and hitting 50 caps and becoming the record goal scorer so that's up there but in terms of what there is in the future I'd like to see Watford ladies back in the top flight that would be a, that's a big ambition of mine and I'd love to be a part of making that happen um, and also carrying on internationally, making a major tournament for Wales. I love the way how you casually drop it in, yeah, winning the FA Cup, yeah, <laughs> scoring, we lost we lost that FA Cup final and yeah, 50 caps for Wales, no, no biggie. <laughs> what do you think of the, of the chaps? Um, we had, obviously, we've, done, we've talked about the great result yesterday. Um, you sit in the rookery and you've had a bit of a life event recently, which we might be focused elsewhere at the moment, but, but how do you think Watford are going under, under Marcus over this year? Yeah, I'm really enjoying it and uh, my, my kids have been very good to me because both of them were born on weekends where there was no home game so I haven't missed the I haven't missed the game due to having a child so I'm delighted um the guy that sits next to actually, next to me actually gave me a funny look when I returned without a bump sort of two weeks after being there with a big bump so but no that they're, they're doing brilliant on the pitch especially away from home I haven't managed to get to an away game for quite a while but you know just it seems the spirit and the camaraderie amongst the team is is fantastic at the moment and and it's really good to watch them play and and seeing you know players come together and put it, really putting a shift in for the for the shirt. One word, one word. Final answer. Me and my brother got a little bit drunk last night, and we're planning if we could get our Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays off to go and see us in the Europa League next year. <laughs> Can that happen? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the Rookery End. Uh, game finished 3-1 uh, to Oxford. After the game, uh, Mike and I caught up with the Watford manager, uh, Keith uh, Bonas, who, uh, well, took the defeat tough. So, a tough defeat. Can you take anything from it? Uh, you're going to cut me. <laughs> uh, no, not much. 
Um, the fact that we got 90 minutes or longer into a couple of the new players that that we know uh, are not peak fitness yet, like Kylie Davis got 90 minutes, that was important. Uh, Bianca lasted a little bit longer this week. I believe they're both going to become very good players for us in the future. But right now, the biggest disappointment of the players that have already been with us, they're not... Uh, they're not rising to the challenge yet. There's, there's something missing, and we're not sure what it is. Um, they're not understanding the game plan. They're not listening to uh, the instructions. and not putting them into action. So that's majorly disappointing. This, I mean, there's been a lot in the, the wider context of the game. There's been a lot going on. There's a lot of talk about there's no promotion. No, you know, the, the thing's changing again. Any impact on that in the dressing room at all, do you think? We did speak about it before the game, you know, regardless of that, it, it, of course it can demotivate players in the game because they're thinking, what the hell are we fighting for then? What are we, you know, do we need to be promoted? It doesn't matter if we get promoted or not, we win promotion situation because at the end of the season it's going to become a lottery again. Everyone in the hat who can put up the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest structure, who can provide the right facilitation to go forward. So regardless of that, but, you know, I'm, I'm not somebody who enjoys losing and, I had eight years of developmental football in Estonia. I came back here wanting to be competitive again. And I expect my sides to compete and my players to compete. Doesn't matter for me, even a friendly game. I don't want to lose a friendly. And, uh, you know, the biggest disappointment with me is we've got a percentage of players that are only playing in, in very small pockets in the game. They're not consistent. They're not doing it throughout the game without us giving them a kick up the backside. They've got to do it for themselves. And, you know, we're taking responsibility. Maybe we're not getting our message across correctly. Um, but you know you're doing two, three training sessions a night. You can only do what you do with the players that are there. Um, so the question mark now is, how do we make it clearer to them so they can understand it? Do we simplify it? How do we drill it in more? Or are they coachable and are they capable of taking it on board? If not, then something's got to change. Because we spoke in, in April, and you at that point, you know, I think you've done like three training sessions, two games, yeah. and was, you said there's a huge job ahead of you. You're going to bring a lot of a lot of you know, new faces in. You seem to have done that, and that sort of that that's a, a big process. Like it's not like you've had, you know, like, like a, a men's professional team would have, which is uh, let's go away for two weeks, boys, and play, you know, no. bond and get it through. You've had very little time. Yeah, we had we had a disappointment. We were due to go into a, a little tour in Italy, which I think would have been a massive bonding process for us, but. The most recent players have only come in at the tail end, so they basically missed all of the pre-season. So, yeah, that, it's a reason, but for me it's not an excuse. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that if you're not fit, then you read the game intelligently and you play to your strengths. If you're not the most technical and intelligent player, then you give 100% effort. And I'm not sure we've got that right yet, balance-wise, with either set of players. Um, you know, I, I, I do believe if the team can stay together and we can get that balance right, that it will eventually happen. But, you know, after the spring series and after the, the eight years I've had away, I'm quite impatient. Uh, so maybe I need to be patient, but it's really tough when, when you're not seeing, again, some of your, the players that you want to rely on performing. And I won't name names because I don't want them to hear it and, and be individually upset. They should know who they are. You're obviously really disappointed. It's straight after the game, so I appreciate you you're taking the time to talk to us. But obviously, you're a Watford supporters podcast, and there's Watford supporters listening. John mentioned there you came in, and the club I think was in not a great state. Uh, we don't need to go into details, but if you can take a step back from today's obvious disappointment and the way things are moving forward, are you, and you said you're impatient, so maybe this is the wrong question. But do you feel the club moving forward in the right way, and is there stuff for, for Watford supporters to be positive about? I'd say absolutely. I think 
Watford supporters who believe maybe that there's a, a plus factor to the women's game. I think the work gone on behind the scenes, certainly through the general manager, uh, you know, it's it's massive that, that you guys are taking the time and I really appreciate that. You know, I'm just a coach that, that, that hates losing, so these things, they hurt and they hurt, they'll hurt all week. They'll hurt until the next game. Uh, and I'm somebody who does take it home with me and so you know, my wife's not too happy either. <laughs> but, you know, she was a winner as a player as well. You might have heard her screaming at one point in the game today. It is about passion as well as a combination of that and I think the lads are buzzing and, and I know some of our players are kind of picking up on that and saying we need to do the same. And we've got the Girls Academy that started off now with, with uh, John McDermott and, and they're doing a great job and they all had wins yesterday. I've heard the development squad today came from 3-1 down, 1-4-4 against Spurs. You know, there's some great kids in there, hungry kids. For me, we've got one or two that perhaps aren't hungry enough. And, you know, so there's plenty of positives, I think, as far as the overall structure is concerned, but we've really got to address the first team very quickly. And just a final point, there's you know, a decent crowd down here tonight, they could, uh, this afternoon, there could be more. I know that presumably it helps the players, the players notice if there's a big crowd. So a message to Watford supporters out there, get down here, right? Yeah, the more the merrier, we need more help than ever now, I think. I did hear it a few times, you know, even when we were behind. And, you know, I've been involved in teams before and, and again, certainly where I was working, where the crowd actually never stopped even when we were losing by heavy score lines uh, against teams much, much more above. When we played England uh, a couple of years back, we lost 8-0, but the Estonian supporters, for instance, never stopped singing because uh, they, they could see the effort from the players. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, the 12th man syndrome is always there. Uh, and one thing we again have emphasised to the players, you have to respect anybody that walks through that turnstile and pays any amount of money to come and watch you, and the young kids in particular, you have to be role models for them. But that's on and off the pitch, so we need to give them a little bit better on the pitch so those kids want to aspire to be those players. You know, today, one or two performances of kids, I think, well, actually, I'll probably be better than her. Uh, so you can always hope for that as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I appreciate it, I respect it. But I want my players to show more respect on the pitch for those people. Thanks for your time, Keith. We'll be back. Keep going. You're welcome. I Thank you very much. Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. Uh, Mike, we finished the game. Uh, we finished our time here at Kings Langley for the first home game of the of the season for Watford Ladies. Keith clearly has a, a lot on his mind and. Um, yeah, a lot to do, I think, for, 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 from his point of view. Yeah, very difficult to talk to him straight after the game. He's clearly very, very disappointed, which, as you'd expect, he's a, he's a coach and he's, he's a very experienced in the game. He mentions in, the, in our chat that he's been away in Estonia and working there. and he, He's done a lot, he's seen a lot, and he, and he came here, wanted to make a difference. And, you know, we'll, we can say it, we, 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 we say things how it is. They didn't play well today, Watford. They ran out of steam with, with 20 minutes to go when that's, they should have been kitchen sink time. And, you know, they didn't really ever get into the game after a relatively bright start and um, yeah I mean it was fascinating to see first hand there uh, a coach hurting um, and you know you take positives from that in as much as you see how important yeah. it is and you think right okay that's this is Im- impacting on people and uh, yeah it's um, it's fascinating to see and um, but yeah just how much it hurts is uh, is evident and you don't very you very rarely get to see that because in the Premier League they've get, they've had time to compose themselves yeah. Keith's come right off the pitch he's got his boots in one hand and he's and he's and he's mulling it over it as in front in front of our eyes so we appreciate him talking to us but fascinating insight into the into the uh, world of a beaten coach 
Uh, international break for the first team, and we're going in bright, we're going in breezy, we're going in uh, on and up. Uh, we've dropped a couple of places uh, overnight because Everton lost again, uh, yeah. Arsenal won again. Uh, but we, we can't complain, uh, this, is, this is a good, we're in a very, very, very good place. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go so fast quite to say we're in heaven. No. But we were, I'm not going not gonna, <laughs> to, you won't bring this up, so I will. Um, amazing evening on Thursday at Vicarage Road. And um, for those of you who don't, aren't aware of Hornet Heaven, it's a, a podcast that, uh, that our very own John stood right next to me. Um, produces alongside uh, Ollie uh, Wicken, who, who writes the majority of them, and then brought to life by, uh, by Colin Mace. Three lifelong Watford supporters that not uh, take on the uh, take on Watford, but their take on what the, the, the Watford afterlife is, and they put this incredible event together uh, on Thursday night. Um, it was unfortunately only a few people can be invited, and I think it was people who've been involved from the start. But it was like an interactive um, story whereby the, each each set of the story, each stage of the story, was told in a different part of the part of the stadium including the um uh, the director's box the um the, the the new executive box on the corner the dugout and amazingly inside the changing room and it was an incredible story an incredible setting an incredible evening um so massive hat tip to to john who's with me and colin and of course ollie who whose imagination it all came from it's incredible stuff um so I was I was very privileged and uh, to to be there, but also I think a massive um, it's a massive reminder of how Watford get these things as a football club. You know, as a podcast, we've been going eight years now. This is our eighth season, and I'm sure that we wouldn't have been as successful or or moved on as quickly as we had it if it wasn't for the support of the the communications team and the and the club as a whole. So they've supported us, and to open up Vicarage Road like that on Thursday night. You won't get that. What other club are you going to get that? And that just shows how in tune the guys working at the football club are um, and how important it is to them that they deliver these sort of events. They, they recognise, they had to turn the floodlights on, they had to open up the changing rooms, they put the shirts out, they made a tro- the Graham Taylor trophy available. This is all important stuff to the club that, that costs money, that takes effort and it's, it's sacred. And they and they recognise the importance of it, and and for the club to do something like that, anyone who's worried about the direction we're going in in terms of a um, link to the supporters, if you've got something you want to do and it's and it's relevant and it's doable, then this this club will support you. It's it was a really really enjoyable evening. The the, the entertainment was first class, but just also that knowledge that that Watford are supporting endeavours like that is genuinely heartwarming and really. It just makes you proud to be a Watford supporter again. Uh, Colin, uh, Ollie and I were very uh, thankful for the club for, for letting us do it. There was a point where we said, can we do this? Can we do that? And they went, yes and yes. And <laughs> one point, we'll try. Uh, but they were really, really, uh, you know, the, the guys there were sort of re- brilliant and, and the event was great. Uh, I stuck, unfortunately, pressing buttons and making sound effects. Uh, I couldn't quite see what happened, but, you know, everyone's reaction was amazing. So thanks to everyone who came down and thanks again to the club. Uh, so we'll be back uh, when Watford take on... Arsenal. Arsenal, yeah, we need a decent result. I was watching Tottenham put um, Huddersfield to the sword on uh, on Saturday afternoon, and uh, that's you think, well, we've seen them do that to us, and we've got one of those games coming up. Arsenal have beaten us too easily at home in the last two Premier League seasons, and yeah, you, you mentioned there just at the start of this little bit that we are buzzing, we're doing really well, and we we should be enjoying this. Watford are playing extraordinarily well, we're developing something. It feels like we could be on the cusp of something special. This is a real test now. Arsenal, um, with all their all their talented players, we need, can't switch off defensively. We need to keep going, keep going from our attacking point of view, keep playing the way that Marco wants us to play and see how far it can take us. This is a great time to have a break, I think. Sit back, relax and um, bask in the warm glow of how well Watford have been playing. 
but now I'm just keen to see how far we really can go. I, mean, sort of, I said to Helen there when we were, were chatting jokingly about can we make the Europa League? I think we've said this at the start of the probably the last two seasons, but it really now starts to feel like we're 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 on the brink of something. And if we can keep that team fit, keep the confidence, keep that what seems to be a real good spirit around the place, fans are buzzing, the team's buzzing. You heard Keith there, even despite being um, disappointed about the result, he said the club, the entire club, is is bouncing. There's the stuff happening all over the place. So it's not just the first team that's feeling good, it's the entire club that, that there's a good feel about. So, uh, yeah, good opportunity sit back, relax, enjoy that, um, come back and let's uh, demolish Arsenal. Let's stick another uh, loss on that uh, on their uh, on their fixture list. Come on, you ones.